2: Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, alongside Elliott Shore Parks and Matt Lombardo, and uh, happy back after uh, being out last week. You guys held it down, and I appreciate... The well wishes and uh, especially from some of you listeners out there who, who reached out. But I'm back this week. The NFL draft is here. It is a big week. Elliot and and Matt, you both of you guys are going to be at the draft in Philadelphia. Probably a lot of you listening here to attend this draft. And as we sit here two days out, we're doing this on a Tuesday. Elliot, just to start off, I mean, this feels as unpredictable as any draft I can remember in a long time where... You know, we know the Eagles are at 14. We know a lot of names are going to go right before they pick or in the top 10. But we don't really have any idea of of how this is going to shake out before they, they get on the board. Right. And so part of our job is when the Eagles make the
1: pick on Thursday night to have, you know, an article ready to go. So that, you know, the Eagles make a pick and here's five things to know about that player. And here's the story about it. And, you know, in past years, obviously Carson Wentz. That was, you know, an easy one. Everyone knew they were taking them um, about a week before the draft. The Year before that, uh, you know, I mean, there's always some surprises, but this year, I was sitting down this morning trying to think about, you know, who realistically I think could be the pick at 14, like who I should prepare for. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight names that I think. I don't think one is more likely than the other at at 14. Uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of where it seems to be right now. I mean, you talk about the 13 picks before the Eagles, I could see them shaking out anyway. I could see Leonard Fournette going number four. I could see him slipping all the way to to 10. I mean, you could say the same with, you know, Jared Allen out of Alabama. So there's seems to be a ton of, uh, not confusion, but just a ton of, uh, you know, unknown right now in the draft.
2: There is. I mean, you look at and every mock draft I read, whether from you guys or anybody else, national writers, like they're all different and they all have some variation of the same 13, 14, 15 A's, but in totally different orders. And one guy falling and one guy rising. Matt, can you remember a draft recently like this? I mean, this is this is so weird and it impacts the Eagles in so many ways. It could be good. It could be bad.
0: Yeah, Joe, the the only one that I can remember that comes anywhere close to this might be 2011 when you had all of those pro bowlers in the top 10 or 11 picks, and then Danny Watkins, of course, goes to the Eagles. We know how historically bad that draft turned out to be from an Eagles perspective, but to kind of speak to where Elliott was coming from there, I I think that two factors are at play with all of this unpredictability. Number one, you really don't have those standout quarterbacks. Even Mitchell Trubisky of North Carolina, any other year, he's probably the third or fourth quarterback off the board this year he's the number one prospect just because it's a very down class I think Joe overall this has the potential to be a very special draft class in the first one through four rounds and I think that one of the other reasons outside of there not being any quarterbacks is the fact that you look at each and every position group and you can make a debate over who the top player is in that group and cornerback is one obviously that is in a lot of focus with the Eagles and a month ago it was a slam dunk Marshawn Lattimore was the number one corner. He's going top five. Now there's some conversation about his teammate, Gary on Connolly running back. We've all had the debate about Fournette versus McCaffrey wide receiver. You look at Mike Williams versus Corey Davis. Then you have John Ross thrown in the mix there. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a strong feel about why that receiver or the other receiver is the number one on the board. And there really aren't that many great tackles. So you look at the overall breadth and depth of the talent at so many positions and nobody really separating themselves combined with their not being a top-tier quarterback or two. And I think you mix all that together, Joe, and you have one of the more unpredictable drafts in recent memory.
2: You do, and it impacts the Eagles. And that, that's, as our listeners listen to us do this show and get ready for the draft and, and are going to watch this thing unfold Thursday night for the first round, th- that's the whole thing. It's like every pick you watch, it's kind of a domino to see, okay, now what does that mean for the Eagles? Elliot, if you had to pick out a player or a team – within the first 13 picks before the Eagles get on the board that you think is kind of the domino or the pivot point where, you know, if that guy goes there or that happens this way, then it's really going to impact the Eagles. I look at the Browns, like the Browns with their second pick. And if they trade up or if they take a quarterback or whatever they do, I think just like last year in a weird way because last year they didn't want Wentz and they let the Eagles right. you know, move up. I think the Browns are going to impact how the Eagles – you know, what player they land at 14. So I think the biggest team that will impact who
1: the Eagles get is the Jaguars at number four because if they take Leonard Fournette, then I don't think Christian McCaffrey gets to the Eagles at 14. If they pass on Fournette. I mean, you know, I guess trades are always possible. Then I think there's a better shot of McCaffrey getting there because Carolina at number 8 needs a running back. So I think I think a running back or a cornerback is going to go number 8 to the to the Panthers. And those are probably the two biggest needs on the Eagles in terms of what they'll probably look at at 14. So if you look at what the Jaguars do, I think that has a domino effect on what the Panthers do on number 8, which in turn then I think will Probably cross off one or two of the big names that the Eagles have, you know, high up on their board.
2: Matt, what's your pivot point when you're when you're looking at this first thirteen before the Eagles get on the board? Where is the spot you're really honing in on and saying? All right, that's that's going to impact the Eagles in a big way.
0: Well, I think Joe, it's number eleven with with the Saints because we saw today with Adrian Peterson signing with New Orleans. That's take that takes them out of the conversation for a running back. So even if Fournette gets past Jacksonville, even if Carolina winds up, you know, taking McCaffrey, or if they wind up taking Fournette, the, the Saints aren't in play for the running back there. So it comes down to two positions for them: defensive end and corner. And if they go defensive line, if they They take Jonathan Allen if he falls that far. If they take somebody like a Charles Harris who's rising up draft boards, if they take a Derek Barnett, th- then that's going to leave one of the quality cornerbacks to the Eagles there at 14. Another team to watch, I think, as we watch this play out is the Buffalo Bills. Because if you're thinking of the mindset that the Eagles are going after a wide receiver, I, I think they're a threat to take a Mike Williams off the board. And they also would be a team that would probably be looking at cornerback help. So I think somewhere in that range between pick 10 and 11, you're going to get a pretty good feel for what the Eagles are going to have on the board at 14. Now, I think
2: the Eagles, and, and you guys met with Howie last week and talked to him about, and, and Joe Douglas as well, and they seemed, just from reading and listening to those guys with you, they seemed excited about where they're at at 14, which, you know, they're going to say that. They're not going to say, oh, no, we're screwed. We're not going to get a good player. But I, I felt it. I felt genuinely they they thought they're in a good spot here at 14. Elliot, when you look at what mm-hmm. could be available for them, right, it, and it depends on what shakes out above them, but do you think they're in a good spot here considering what might happen in front of them and, and what is going to be on the board? Like they, they seem to come across as, look, we're going to get a good player here no matter what happens.
1: Well, I think they're in a spot where they're going to have a ton of options. And I think if you're Howie and you're Joe Douglas, obviously you trust your own scouting. So in that way, I would say they are in a good spot because – there's going to be, you know, probably at least one good running back available, one good cornerback, one good receiver. I mean, they're going to they're going to have options there. The question is, is this would you rather be in a spot like that or would you rather be in a spot where you sit at 14 and you go, "All right, this prospect is going to be there. This is this is the guy." And that to me is the biggest. If you're an Eagles fan, that would be the biggest worry to me going into draft night is You're really going to have to trust Howie Howie and Joe Douglas to make the right decision here because let's say Reuben Foster is on the board at 14, as is John Ross, as is Christian McCaffrey. I mean – that's not an unrealistic situation right now. John Ross has medical uh, concerns that's dropping him. Ruben Foster, I don't think is going to be there at fourteen, but you know he's a guy that has had some off the field stuff. And then Christian McCaffrey, as I just talked about, he could be there because if Leonard Fournette doesn't go four to the Jaguars, maybe he goes eight to the Panthers, and then he, uh, you know, McCaffrey falls. So if you're sitting there, you're the Eagles. John Ross, Ruben Foster, Christian McCaffrey, you're happy with that situation because I personally think. I think uh, John Ross and Reuben Foster are, are great prospects. I think McCaffrey is a very good prospect, but we've talked that, you know, at length about that, about my concerns about him. So if you're the Eagles, you get a pick out of those three players. That's good and bad, because if you pick the right one, obviously you have a good chance of having a pro bowler there. But the Eagles are going to be in a situation where I think there's going to be really good players on the board, and they're going to have to make the right decision. And two years later, maybe even next year, we're going to look and say, you know, did they, did they make the right decision?
2: Yeah, it's almost like too many options sometimes. It's almost paralyzing, right? Because you're like, wait, I like this guy, I like that guy. They're similar grades. Matt, when you – off of what Elliot just said, and let's play that scenario out. And so we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday morning. So just a a couple hours ago, our own Mark Eckel of NJ Advanced Media had a post on NJ.com about the Eagles and the three – players they could be targeting at 14, and there were Christian McCaffrey, they were Reuben Foster, and they were Garyon Conley, the cornerback out of Ohio State, also at John Ross and Mike Williams maybe one little notch below. But let's say this plays out, and, and two or three or four of those names, Matt, are, are on the board. So the Eagles have a ton of options there. How much do you think they should go with the best player they see, and how much do you think they should weigh Okay, if we get our corner Conley now, we could do this, this and this later in the draft. Like how much do you weigh the first round pick versus what you can get later compared to just take the best player?
0: Yeah, Joe, we've talked about this a lot on past podcasts, and I've written about it, that this is really a sweet spot for the Eagles, especially in this year's draft class, where uh, so many of their needs match up with the positions that are so deep in this year's draft. And I think that if anything was made completely evident in the conversation we had last week with Joe Douglas and with Howie Roseman, it was that this organization is going to go into this draft by taking the best player available. And if the three best players remaining on their board at 14 are Reuben Foster, Christian McCaffrey, and On Connolly, that's a terrific problem to have. And I think that if you're in that scenario, if I'm sitting there in the catbird seat and I'm either Joe Douglas or, or I'm Howie Roseman, I have to look at Conley, and I have to look at a guy who is, he, not only does he play my biggest position of need, but the perception around him across the NFL and in the circle of analysts and draft nicks is that there's a conversation to be had that on Conley is the number one corner in this draft. He's physical. He can tackle. Uh, tremendous ball skills. He's good in coverage. He I, I know he only had one year of solid tape at Ohio State, but he went up against pro competition in the Big Ten every single week if I have my choice of those three I'm taking Conley and then in round two that's where I start honing in on other areas of need whether it's running back Joe Mixon Dalvin Cook whether it's wide receiver maybe you have John Ross there maybe you have a D.D. Westbrook there maybe you have a Chris Godwin there if you're looking at, at you know defensive end there's probably going to be a quality pass rusher there as well so I'm taking the best player on the board in round one, and then kind of honing best player meeting need come round two. All
2: right, let's – look a big question for you guys next about a surprise that could happen at, at 14. But after that, let's look at the rest of this draft, what the Eagles could do, and then we'll each do a, a little bit of a mock draft uh, as we look forward to the first 13 into the Eagles at 14. Elliot, there's been a lot of names that we've connected to the Eagles, and you said you have like six or seven or eight uh, right. thoughts that we're, could be at 14. Give me a name that would surprise you, right? Because there's a lot of names, and we just talked about three, with McCaffrey <laughs> and Foster and Conley. That's probably not going to surprise anybody. Is there a name out there that is you know, realistic, so not a seventh rounder, but a realistic right. name that could surprise you at 14 or would surprise you? So, it, you know, you, you talk about all the
1: possibilities there. It's hard to think of a guy that we haven't talked about at length, that possibility there. But, I mean, I guess the new one would be Charles Harris, a defensive end out of Missouri. I don't think – I, to me i think this is an example of someone going up the draft board just with un you know like no reason for it at this point of the draft i think it's maybe about a bit of like draft exhaustion so now people are just talking about him it would surprise me if he was a pick at 14 just because i don't think he's an elite defensive end prospect i think you know he's probably the fourth or fifth best defensive end prospect in the draft and in that way I would be you know, surprised, and I, if I was an Eagles fan, I might be a little concerned if they take him there, um, especially because when I look at guys that could be there at 14, I see better prospects. Um, I, I do know the Eagles want to address their defensive end position, and I, to me, I think taking Harris would be drafting for need, not drafting best available player if he was there at 14.
2: Matt, what would surprise you? I mean, there's so many names out there. Is it Charles Harris? I mean, his name has come out of nowhere Recently, and it seems like he's a good prospect, but it was like you know late first round, maybe early second round. And now all of a sudden, Charles Harris. You know, I, I've seen a mock or two to the Eagles.
0: Yeah, yeah, Joe, I'm with you guys. I think that if I'm surprised by any pick, it would be Charles Harris, and part of the reason is I think there is something there is some substance there as to why he's getting pushed up the board this late. I think that when you look at Missouri making that scheme change last year, he really came on strong when he was playing in a system that was more tailor made to his needs. And when you look at his game, he actually fits fairly well with what the Eagles do and what they ask their defensive ends to do. But I'm with Elliot here. And I think that there's a chance that Charles Harris could go as high as top 10. I had him number nine in my final 32 team two round mock draft last Friday. I had him going number nine to the Cincinnati Bengals, but I think that if the Eagles wind up taking Harris, it's because you don't want to see history repeat itself, but it's almost like the oh-my-God scenario with Marcus Smith, where they have this thought in their mind that they need a pass rusher. They look at the board, and they see a drop-off in talent between the top four or five pass rushers in the draft, being Miles Garrett, Derek Barnett, Jonathan Allen, and, and Harris, in one order or another, to what you could have available to you in round two or round three, and they pull the trigger on Harris because they perceive this to be a deep corner draft, a deep running back draft, and even a deep tight end draft where they're looking to fill some needs. So It wouldn't shock me if Harris is the pick. I'd be surprised. And I think the reason they would make it is just like Elliot said, that they start to think okay, we have this need that we have to fill, and we can get talent at these other positions later.
2: Obviously, this isn't just a one-round draft, and we're all focused on the first round. We're all focused on the Eagles pick at 14. But when you look at this, Elliot, like if you were to draw up the blueprint for the Eagles to walk out of this thing and our next podcast sometime early next week when we're breaking this whole thing down, Mm -hmm. what is it? What has to happen? You can give a couple names here, or you can give positions. Like Just when you look at the Eagles, where they're at, and... Clearly, from from reading what Malcolm Jenkins has said, Carson Wentz recently, like in that building, and Elliot, I think you've written about this, the way they've acted, they're not acting like a team that thinks they're in a long rebuild. Like they want to try yeah. to make the playoffs this coming year. So for that to happen, for them to you know move forward here and go from seven and nine to whatever it takes to make it in, what's the ideal draft weekend for the Eagles in your mind?
1: From what I'm hearing, out of the first four picks, Eagles they want two corners a running back and then either a receiver or some other position with that. But I think out of their first four picks, they want they want two cornerbacks and they need them. I mean, as we've discussed. Now, the question is, do you get that player at 14, that first that first cornerback? And if you don't get him at 14, what do you do in the second? Because I think from what I'm hearing that they really they really want Joe Mixon in the second round. I think that's a player they've targeted, a player they've done their research. He's still on the board. I know you wrote, uh, Joe, on this morning, uh, Tuesday morning, that you would take him in the second round. Um, I'm still torn on it. I mean, clearly as a player, I think i I would I would if I was the Eagles, I would still have him on my board, but I will also say not to get into a huge Joe Mixon conversation, but if they do make that pick, it's a pick they're making with a lot more information than anybody else. and I know it's easy to watch that video and simply cross him off because of that. but the Eagles, if they take him and you know they've done their research, they've you know. They've done way more research than any of us. So I think they would know more about the situation. Um, I think Joe Mixon's a the guy they want in the second round. And we talk about surprises. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if next week we're talking about the Eagles and how Joe Mixon fits on the roster and, you know, what the reaction to him has been.
2: Matt, let's let's just take the Mixon conversation for a second before yep. we get to your, your your ideal draft. So, Matt, I know you wrote about that. But when it comes to Mixon, let, let's go on the premise, as Elliot just kind of threw out there, that they don't get the running back in the first round. Like, let's say Christian McCaffrey's gone to the Panthers at eight, and they go into the second, third, fourth, whatever, needing their running back of the future, and they get a corner or whatever in the first round. Matt, where do you stand on, on Mixon? And, because it'll be a conversation. I'm sure you guys will write a ton about it. Like, if that first night goes by and Mixon's still on the board and the Eagles still don't have a running back, that's going to be the story, uh, for the Eagles' perspective, of day two. Matt, where do you think about it?
0: Yeah, Joe, I have, like I said, I had my final 32-team two-round mock draft on Friday. I had the Eagles taking Mixon then. Today, I had my quote-unquote perfect Eagles mock draft where the board breaks exactly the way they would hope it would break in every round, and these are the players they're going to get. I have them getting Joe Mixon in round two in that as well. And and, and guys, I think, Ellie, you were in the room as well, For just from the sounds of it, just from the way that the Eagles broke down the way that they evaluate players with off the field concerns, the multi-pronged approach to the way that they, you know, their security team analyzes the situation, the coaching staff analyzes it, they present the information to owner Jeffrey Lurie, and then they come up with a decision as to whether or not these guys are on their board or not. I don't know about you, Elliot, but my takeaway was this is not only a guy that they've done their research on. This is not only a guy that they're comfortable they can manage in terms of the feedback publicly, but also that they feel is arguably one of the top running backs in this draft class. And if they're comfortable and they're able to manage whatever public backlash or as we've seen them in the past deal with Michael Vick deal with Alex McAllister deal with last year, Nigel Bradham and on and on and on. This is an organization, Riley Cooper that, that they're, they are more adept than most at giving second chances and almost rehabilitating the stories of players. And if they think that they can do that with Mixon, if they're comfortable with everything they know about Mixon, then I think you almost have to pull the trigger in the second round on Joe Mixon because on talent alone, you've heard Mel Kuyper talk about it. You talk to people in the league, they feel this way. Joe Mixon is one of the top two or three running backs in this year's class, and he happens to also be a great fit for their scheme. So if they go in a different direction at fourteen, and they don't take McCaffrey. They don't take Fournette. I think Mixon is legitimately in play for them in round two. And to
1: tie it in to you know the conversation about need and best player available, you know I know there's a school of thought out there that you don't take a running back in the first round. But you know when we talk about the offensive players in this draft, I made the cases where I think the Eagles' biggest need overall on the roster might be a running back. When you talk about the fact that they don't have anybody really at running back right now, I mean they have Wendell Smallwood, but I wasn't overly impressed with his rookie year. And honestly, I don't think the Eagles were the Eagles need a running back to open this offense up. They need a running back that, you know, can catch the ball a running back that they can give it to 20 times a running back where, when he's on the field, you don't know whether he's going to run or catch it. So if you talk from strictly that point, yeah, they have reason to really do their research in, into Joe Mixon because they need a player like that. They need that dynamic type of type of running back. Now, I'm not saying they, you know, bend their morals um, because of a need, but it's a it's a situation where the Eagles they have the incentive to do as much research and to look into it more than other teams do because they really do have a need at running back. And if they don't get McCaffrey or Fournette um, at, at 14. I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to be there at 43. I mean, maybe he's there in the late 20s, maybe very early second. I still don't think he's there at 43. But you might be looking there if you're sitting there – if you're the Eagles sitting there at 43, Joe Mixon stand, staring at you you know, right there. I could see why they have all the incentive in the world to do that research because they badly need a game-changing running back on this roster.
2: Yeah, they do. And it's interesting, as you both were talking about the idea of mixing and the possibility last week when you guys were there with Douglas and with uh, Howie Roseman, they seemed to downplay the idea of, you know, this organization being uniquely suited to take on this kind of this kind of player, right? And would have passed like this. But, Matt, you were just mentioned a few minutes ago. I mean, they are uniquely suited to do this. They do this all the time. Yep. And I didn't even think, as I was writing my piece for Tuesday morning about Riley Cooper, I was just thinking more of the off-the-field, um, you know, kind of violent incidents or, or those kind of things or, you know, allegations in that sense. But, yeah, you throw Riley Cooper in there, too. I mean, PR nightmares in the Eagles the last 10 years, they, maybe no team in the NFL's had more of them.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't know that I agree that they've not had more PR nightmares because other teams have gone through things as well. I don't know that they're uniquely suited. But, Joe, I'll say this. They're uniquely experienced. They've been down this road before. They've done it before. They've implemented, obviously, a security staff and a security team as well as far as how they handle incidents such as this. And they have an owner who philosophically seems to be open to managing crisis situations when it comes to players. So, I don't think that Again, personally, would I draft Joe Mixon? Would I be okay with what I saw in that video? No. I, I don't think that he's a guy that I would invest a top draft pick in based on what you see in that video and, and the, the domestic violence situations. But we know that this is the National Football League, and there are so many more things than moral obligations and, and so many other things than your own personal belief systems. It comes down to talent. It comes down to how can you you massage it within the locker room How can you massage it publicly? And I think that the Eagles are in a situation where they think they can handle it. They think that he is a game-changing talent. And if they believe that both of the answers to those things is yes, then I think there's no reason not to take him if you're the Eagles.
2: So everything we've talked about, at least uh, in this episode and and the last few I've been a part of, we've kind of played it straightforward, right, with the idea they have the 14th pick, they go to the second round, they have their pick there, and and so on and so forth. But Elliot, you know, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, during basically all of our – episodes of this podcast we were talking about and throwing out the idea of the eagles being movers and shakers in this draft whether it be jason kelsey maybe jordan matthews michael kendricks what do you think about that that's kind of gone off the radar a little bit and i guess it can't really come back on the radar until a trade comes down during the draft but where do you you think is going to happen with the eagles in terms of moving around on thursday friday saturday we know how he likes do you think that stuff could be back in play again Yeah, I mean, I think the Michael Kendricks thing is probably more likely back in play
1: just because I find it hard to believe that a team all of a sudden is going to find they have a massive need at center and want to take on Jason Kelsey. Now, Jason Kelsey's contract is is easier to trade, but I think at this point I would be surprised if Kelsey's moved. Um, And I also think the Eagles are just more willing to move Michael Kendricks. I I do think there's some truth to the fact that if the Eagles got a – good offer for Kelsey they would strongly consider it but I think with Kendricks they're more likely just to take almost whatever a team will give them so you know this this time next week I would kind of be surprised if they moved either of them just because I think this falls into a little bit of the category of if there was a deal to be made at this point it would have been made now maybe with Kendricks a team you know decides to up their offer a little bit based off what happens in the draft maybe they don't get a linebacker they thought they would but um yeah I think Kendricks more likely to be dealt but at this point I, it, to me, it seems like both are going to be on the roster this, this, at this time next week.
2: Yeah, and well, if that's the case, that means the Eagles you know, have a lot of depth at, at certain areas. Matt, when you look at, and we touched on this a few minutes ago, you know, kind of a dream scenario. I, ro- I know you wrote about this on, on Tuesday. What is, when you look at the, the NFL draft for the Eagles, what's the dream scenario to walk out with, whether it be players or just positions?
0: Yeah, Joe, I, I look at this thing, and well, like you said, I, I wrote about it on Tuesday, I don't think it's implausible. Is it likely? No, but I don't think it's implausible that a Marshawn Lattimore falls to you at 14 just based on a couple of teams. Don't you think a player, don't you think
1: a team would trade up for him? That's my thing. I I don't disagree with you that he could fall past six or seven, but you don't think a team trades up like you think there's a chance he's actually on the clock on the board at 14.
0: Oh, I, I wrote about it on, on Tuesday. And I think that the all, all it takes is I mean, all it takes. But here are the, the 13 to 14 players that could conceivably go above him. Garrett, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Allen, Malik Hooker, Jamal Adams, Gary Conley, Leonard Fournette, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Mitch Trubisky, Christian McCaffrey, Reuben Foster, and one of if not both of Charles Harris or Derek Barnett. So I think those are all names that have been talked about somewhere in that top 15 mix. And there are some names a team might trade up to take Leonard Fournette. There are some names in that group, on Connolly, that go a little bit higher than expected. That happens every year. We've seen the meteoric rise of Charles Harris. And if one defensive end goes, then all of a sudden there's a run on defensive ends, like tends to happen with uh, several positions year in and year out. Again, I'd say the chances that Connolly – excuse me, Lattimore is there at 14 or somewhere in that 40 to 45 percentile range. But again, is it likely? No, but it's also not – implausible that he's there. So I think that you come away with one of Conley or Lattimore in round one. You get Mixon in round two. Round three, I think you could gamble and take a Sidney Jones. Round four, you get your wide receiver in the mold of a Deshaun Jackson, a game breaker with deep speed ability, Sheldon Gibson out of West Virginia. And then I think you start looking at some of your needs. You look at Ryan Anderson, a linebacker they liked a lot and had visit early in the process out of Alabama. DeMonte Take Kazi, a cornerback out of San Diego State, who they like a lot. If he's there in round four, round five, I think you make the leap at him, and then you see what happens from there. But what do they need to come away with, Joe? I think you need a minimum of two corners in your first four picks. You need a running back, and you need a wide receiver. And if you can get an edge rusher sometime in your first four or five selections, I think that's gravy. But I think two corners, a wide receiver, and a running back are a must for this to be considered a success.
2: All right, let's touch on one of the rumors of this morning as we're doing this podcast. Then we'll do our mock drafts and and kind of wrap it up with our final predictions and thoughts on who's going to be the guy at 14 for the Eagles. So this morning, and we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday, two days before the first round, this morning Josh Norris of I think Roto World, I think that's where Josh is now, uh, tweeted out that he doesn't see – Fournette, Leonard Fournette happening to the Jaguars at four. And everyone kinda's of been thinking that's the spot for him. Uh, Doug Marone, the coach, and kind of an old school Tom Kaufman, may run the football, help the young quarterback. If that doesn't happen, well, that's gonna create some sort of domino effect. We talked about before with dominoes. It could mean Fournette it goes to the Panthers at eight. It could mean that the Panthers take McCaffrey and Fournette's on the board. So the question is, Elliot. If Leonard Fournette is on the board, if he's – let's go that Lattimore scenario we just played out a second ago. If that's Fournette, what do you think happens with the Eagles? I mean, now we've talked about him and I know – I He's on the
1: board at 14, you He's saying?
2: on the board at 14. I know in the past I think you've said – and I agree with you. He's not a great fit for the, what the Eagles offense is, even though he might be one of the best players in this draft. Fournette on the board at 14, what would you do? What do you think the Eagles would do? Well, I mean I guess to a certain degree it depends who else is on
1: there as it does with all these questions. I mean the the easy answer is you just take them because – You know, our colleague at NJ.com, Mark Eckel, has had scouts. Scouts compare him to Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, you know, one scout said he think he might he might be better than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, that's one scout's opinion. You know, obviously, there's a ton of scouts in the league. My opinion, I'm not a scout. Is I'm not as big on Fournette as other people are. I don't see him as a threat out of the backfield, which is something we talk about consistently. The Eagles need in a running back. Um, I don't think he's as elusive as other running backs are. Now, in LSU, he just ran over people. Maybe NFL will be able to do that as well, but I'd be a little concerned about that. I just don't – I don't see it with Fournette. I see enough like red flags around there that I'd be concerned. I'm not saying I wouldn't take him because he's sitting there at 14. You know, That's tough to pass up on. I'd have to see who else is there, but I'm not in the camp of – Fournette's there at 14, you simply just take him. I think it's still a decision. And I'll also say, on a larger pitcher, I think it's funny when people talk about the draft, like, well, if he's there at 14, you have to take him because he's fallen. Well, if he's there at 14, it's because 13 teams thought another player was better. I mean, it's not like Fournette, you know, is guaranteed to be a top two pick and something's going to happen. I mean, If a guy falls to 14, it's because that's where he's been slated at. So the idea that if Fournette falls to you, well, if he falls to you at 14, there's a reason why he's there. He's not falling for no reason. So if I'm the Eagles, I would think about it, obviously, but I'm not in the camp of just automatically take him no matter what.
2: Matt, Fournette at 14, I mean, if Lattimore's there, it would obviously be a fascinating situation because he's possibly the top corner. They need a corner. They need a running back. A lot of people think Fournette's the best running
0: back. What would you do there? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance – Joe, that if Leonard Fournette is on the board at 14, that Marshawn Lattimore would be there as well. I think that one of the reasons, Elliot, that, that players fall in the draft is that, that teams have needs. And not every team goes into and we've seen the Eagles go into it with the opposite approach they're taking now with best player available a lot of teams go in with the philosophy of I have a need I like this player I have to fill that need and and sometimes players that are very talented get lost in that shuffle and go a lot later than you might anticipate them going and I, I think if Fournette is the guy on the board at 14 it almost doesn't matter to me who else is there because he is that game changing running back he is uh, that workhorse that you talk about and it, it, it's funny to hear people say that the Eagles need a pure 20-25 carry a game running back and you're presented with one like Fournette and you say well he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield. I think it's difficult in today's NFL to have it both ways and if if that's what you're looking for, it's one thing to say you're looking at a multi-dimensional, multi dual threat running back. It's one thing to say that's who you like so you're not taking Fournette but if you're basing it just on talent alone and game-breaking ability. If Fournette's there at 14, it's tremendous value, and I have a hard time believing there'd be a better player on the board than Leonard Fournette. So if he's there at 14, I think you'd have to run from the Franklin Institute to the Art Museum steps and personally hand-deliver that card to Roger Goodell.
2: That might be my, my second favorite cliche. As Elliot said it a few minutes ago, the cliche is if you have to take that guy. I love the run thing because I, yes. I always picture like <laughs> Howie Roseman actually literally sprinting to the podium to, to take one of these guys. All right, let's, let's go through our mocks. And we're not going to do the whole first round and, and bore everybody past the Eagles pick. But we will do it 1 through 13 and then give our picks uh, for the Eagles and, and talk about why and, and how the whole thing played out. Matt, you want to you start us off?
0: Sure. Uh, Let me me start by saying this. This is not the ideal scenario. This is closer to the ideal scenario than maybe how I think it plays out. But I think Garrett won. He's the pick. Solomon Thomas to San Francisco. They need a defensive end. I think the Bears take Jamal Adams over Malik Hooker. He's been rising up boards lately. You know, prior to today's report, I had Fournette going number four. Jacksonville. I still think he goes there, and perhaps this is just some sort of smokescreen getting sent up by the Jaguars that they're not sold on Fournette, trying to get a, some value in a trade. I think five, OJ Howard goes to Tennessee. You pair him with Marcus Mariota, you have a multifaceted weapon in the passing game. The Jets get Mitch Trubisky. the The Chargers go Malik Hooker, the safety out of Ohio State at seven. I think McCaffrey still goes to Carolina at number eight. Charles Harris finds his way into the top 10 with the Cincinnati Bengals at nine. Mike Williams, Clemson wide receiver, paired with Sammy Watkins, another Clemson wide receiver, Buffalo at 10, 11. I think that today's signing of Adrian Peterson ensures even more than we ever thought that it would, that the Saints are going defense. I have them taking Jonathan Allen. Gary Unconnolly, the first cornerback off the board, goes 12 to the Browns. They pair that, you know, very enviable. Defensive end cornerback combination. Cordy Davis goes 13 to replace uh, Larry Fitzgerald with the Arizona Cardinals. And I think that the Eagles wind up with Marshawn Lattimore of, out of Ohio State at number 14. And they'd be pretty happy with that pick.
1: do yeah, so you that, think the uh, Eagles are going to get Marshawn Lattimore on Thursday night?
0: I, I, again, I, I think that it's, it, it comes down to Connolly or Lattimore in my opinion. I think that they'll take the best cornerback who's on the board when they go on the clock.
2: Yeah, if they get Conley or Lattimore, I I, I feel like Eagles fans are going to be pretty happy with that. The number one corner or the guy that's pretty much become right behind him uh, in terms of corners. All right, Elliot, your mock draft as you sit here right now on this Tuesday morning. All right, so
1: Miles Garrett, I think, goes one. I don't think that's a good pick by the Browns, but I think that's probably where he'll go. I have Mitch Trubisky, too, and I don't know if it's going to be to the Niners. I don't know what, but I don't. I don't see a world where Trubisky doesn't go in the top two or three picks, just because cause, he's
2: that good or he's
1: a quarterback. No, it's a it's a quarterback league, and I think a team will move up. So that's what I would I would say now. Trubisky, and then I have Jamal Adams going to the Bears because he's the best defensive player available. I put Solomon Thomas to the Jaguars. Uh, again, defensive end. If you can't get a quarterback, defensive end's is the most important position there. And I think he's just the best player at that point. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, I don't think he's going to fall um, as far as Matt does. I have him going to the Titans. I used to have John Ross there, but I think the medicals on Ross, I, they've convinced me that he's he's going to fall. Um, so I have Marshawn Lattimore at five to the Titans. Garyon Conley uh, to the Jets. I think he rises again without cornerback, without a ton of elite quarterbacks available. you know, defensive end and cornerback become the next most important positions. And so I think these cornerbacks are going to go a lot higher than people think. And, you know, one other takeaway from Howie was, there's this idea that when it's a deep position at a draft that those players fall because it's deep. But no, what they said is normally if it's a deep position at a draft, those players go early and often because teams will make sure they get one. I think that's what you're going to see from the cornerback position. So I have Conley and Lattimore both going in the top six. Um, next, the Chargers, Malik Hooker. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins said he thought Hooker was the best uh, defensive back coming out of Ohio State, better than Lattimore or Conley. So I think I think Hooker is going to go high. I have him at seven. Uh, Carolina Panthers, Leonard Fournette, still on the board. I think this is you know probably a dream scenario for the Panthers. I'm not as convinced as other people that they'll take McCaffrey if he's on the board. I think that's you know there's this idea out there that if McCaffrey gets to eight, he'll be gone at nine. I'm I'm not sold on that. I think if Fournette's not there, the Panthers go with a cornerback or maybe Derek Barnett out of Tennessee. I don't think they're going to take McCaffrey. Um, nine, the Bengals. I had Ruben Foster. I know people a lot of people think he's falling, but I I disagree. I think uh, he's going to be a top ten pick. It's just a matter of where. Um, ten, this one is probably one of the bigger reaches I will say is the the thing with quarterbacks is if you know outside of the top three in this draft, the fall off is huge and if you look at the the top you know 13 14 picks, there's about five or six teams that you can make an argument need a quarterback a quarterback. so I think they're going to go higher than people think. so at ten, I have Patrick Mahomes to the Buffalo Bills. I think he's flying up boards. he has all the raw skills you want, and the bills can let him sit for a few years behind Tyrod Taylor. Um, 11, Jonathan Allen to the Saints. Again, as Matt mentioned earlier, you know th- that's a place where simply the best available player at this point could come off the Eagles board. Because I think the Saints could make an argument for offense or defense um, at that spot. 12, I have Deshaun Watson. Again, because I think the Browns can't come out of having two picks in the top 12 without a quarterback. Um, and he, at this point, with Mahomes and Trubisky off the board, I don't think they can pass on him. And then 13, Mike Williams from uh, Clemson. Haven't heard a lot about him. I still think he's the best receiver in the draft, either him or John Ross. Um, and the, Cardinal needs, the Cardinals need someone to replace Mike Williams. So that's kind of how I see the top 13 picks shaking out there. So at 14? So at 14, I don't know who I think they're going to take yet. They have a, in my thing, they have a situation between Ross, uh, Derek Barnett, um, McCaffrey still on the board here, Kevin King, a guy I think they're going to consider. I know I'm in the minority there. And uh, Charles Harris. So – and I know Corey Davis is there. Matt likes him. I'm not as big on him. If I had to pick right now who I think the Eagles pick would be in that situation, I would pick McCaffrey. Um, I think they do really like him. Um, you know, I know they really like him, and I think he is probably the best, probably the best player available. I would go either McCaffrey or Derek Barnett
2: in that situation. So mine is similar. I'll, go, I'll run through mine right now. So we have a Lattimore pick from Matt. We have a McCaffrey pick from Elliot, and I I have McCaffrey too. So I'll, I'll kind of work backwards in mine. So I have McCaffrey there. I have Miles Garrett to the Browns. Solomon Thomas to the Niners. Um, Jamal Adams to Jackson, to the Bears, Allen to the uh, Jonathan Allen, to the Bears at four Lattimore to the Titans. I think the Jets take Trubisky because the Jets always take bad quarterbacks. I think Malik Cooker goes to the Chargers. I think Fournette to the Jaguars. That whole thing with Fournette, like if the the, uh, Panthers, excuse me, have Fournette and McCaffrey on the board, that's the most fascinating thing in this top 10 to me. And I think they'd go Fournette uh, if that's the case. I had Hassan Reddick to the Bengals at 9. At 10, I think the Bills would go Deshaun Watson and kind of upset the the Browns' idea of taking him at 12. I had Conley to the Saints at 11. I think O.J. Howard, the tight end, to the Browns at 12. I had 13, the same as you, Elliot. Mike Williams to the Cardinals. And then 14, Christian McCaffrey. So all three of us, I'm, I'm trying to think back to yours, Matt. All three of us have the Eagles passing on. Passing on John Ross right at fourteen Because he'd be there yes. on all of our boards, yes, yes, yeah, that'd be interesting, so we all yeah, have been passing like on John Ross just those the medicals to me
1: that is the the one the one wild card we can't almost all, almost no draft analyst can really really take into account his medicals, because we're not doctors and but it just seems like there's enough out there around these John Ross medicals that I think the Eagles would pass, especially with a smaller guy like him. So I I think John Ross would be a steal of fourteen if he's healthy. The medicals though have kind of turned me turn me off on the idea of taking him yeah
0: i All have right. john ross going 17 to the redskins and i think that you you guys might be a little bit higher on ross than i am but from a Redskins standpoint they lost both Deshaun jackson and pierre garcon in free agency and the one thing that ross certainly gives you without a doubt is speed he'd replace that Deshaun jackson speed component their offense is missing so i i have ross as the third receiver off the board going to the redskins at 17.
2: Oh, well, he certainly replaced that, and they, they drafted the kid, and they had a TCU last year, Jock Doxon, so they yep. have a couple of young kids to try to um, repair that wide receiver core. All right, let's end with this from both of you guys, because you've been following this, you've been writing about it, you've been basically reporting on it for three, four months now since the you know season ended outside of free agency. This has been the, the focus. Let's get a bold prediction from each of you just about this draft. It could be eagle centric if you have one that you want to share that way, or it could just be about the draft in general. A bold prediction on... The 2017 draft, which starts us a little over two days from we're having this conversation. Matt, you're up first. We'll end with Elliot. Bold prediction.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, Well, my bold prediction, I I would assume, would be the Lattimore selection. But I'll go even bolder than that. I I think that Charles Harris winds up going in the top 10. I think that uh, teams, just like quarterbacks, do funny things when it comes to defensive ends. There's too much smoke in terms of the conversation about him rising up boards. I I think that Harris makes his way somewhere into the top 10 picks and might even go above Derek Barnett.
2: Charles Harris in the top 10. Elliot, your bold prediction.
1: This would kill me inside, but I think Joe Mixon goes before Dalvin Cook. I think teams are making peace with what Mixon has done, and I think the red flags around Cook, even though I've been very clear I like Cook a lot, I'm not – I'm personally not wavering from that. But I think Joe Mixon goes before Dalvin Cook. That would be my prediction.
0: I have him going to the Indianapolis Colts, Dalvin Cook, number 46, after the Eagles take Mixon at 43.
1: That would be a mistake by 45 picks before that. But (laughs) I I think Cook's going to be very good. So I just think – I think Joe Mixon goes before before Cook. That would be that would be my bull prediction if I had to make one.
2: You know, in a way it's it's weird and it's uncomfortable, but it is I could see why it's almost easier to convince yourself to reconcile Joe Mixon's red flag, right, than Dalvin Cook's. Because Joe Mixon, if if you can somehow get past what he did or convince yourself as a team, all right, this was a mistake, he's not gonna ever do anything like that again. Like his play doesn't have any red flags, he doesn't have any injury issues. Like the Dalvin Cook ones, you have to almost hope on right like I, I do you think that's part of it that it's his injury issues and, well, and the and fumbling he,
1: thing and then also you know he does have off the field answers sure does think, you know i think he had three run-ins with the law enduring you know since from in up until this point in his life so he he's also had uh red flags in that scenario um and i think teams think mixon's a better player and ultimately you know as you've said joe and as you wrote That's really, at the end of the day, almost really all that matters when it comes to this, especially a young player like Mixon. I mean, people compare it to Ray Rice, but that's a very different situation in terms of points of their career. You're talking about getting a player that teams think can be an elite running back for four years on a rookie contract. So, I mean, look, obviously the video is what it is, but
2: teams are going to look past it. They always do and they always will. They They always will. Someone's going to take him, and, and yep. you know, it, it might You're be He's not going to go undrafted. <laughs> That's for sure, and it, it really might be the Eagles. We'll talk about it next time. The Eagles are the 14th pick in the first round, and they go from there. Matt, Elliott, you guys have a good time at the draft. We'll be reading and following along, and uh, Matt, appreciate you doing this.
0: Absolutely, Joe.
2: Thanks, Elliot. Yep, talk to you guys soon. And thanks to you for listening to this episode of The No Huddle Show right here on NJ.com.